sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio, brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Welcome to another edition of Around the Hearn. It is State Girls Finals Weekend. We've got a lot of uh, things to look at throughout the course of the show, but it's a show that has totally changed since I wrote the outline on Sunday. I'll just be honest with you. Carla Siegel, the Fort Loma girls basketball coach, and Jeff Maurer, the Anna girls basketball coach, will both be on to uh, talk about their teams. I have quite a lot of notes written from uh, uh, the week that is about the districts, about the boys' regionals, about the girls' state tournament, but the show has taken quite a turn. A lot of things have happened with the OHSAA and around, really, it started in Ohio, started in Connecticut with the... Uh, a virus, the coronavirus that's going on, and it's changed a lot of things. Uh, so much has become, I want to say, irrelevant throughout the last couple of days, but just an ever-evolving show, and the reason this is going to be, I feel like a lot of people listening to it, Jerry Snodgrass, the executive director of the OHSAA, is going to be on this show here in just a few minutes. He's going to talk everything that is the COVID-19 virus, and uh, it's a very candid interview. And I hope the people who have been going at him, especially on Twitter lately, uh, listen to it and give the man a fair shake. Uh, he's in an awkward position. The governor makes the rule. You know, people aren't going to like that, and they're just going to say, oh, the OHSA, whatever. But, look, I asked the man questions that people sent me on Twitter, and he was very forthright and forthcoming about everything. And I don't understand why People continue to beat the guy up. He's about as transparent of a person as we've ever had at the head of the OHSA. And I don't know that people don't understand. It's not like he doesn't want the kids to succeed and everybody to be safe. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But that's coming up. And again, with Carlos Siegel and Jeff Maurer in a couple of minutes as well. But uh, enjoy, Jerry, for about the next 20 minutes or so talking about everything that is the COVID virus and everything that has had to be changed since that point, since this came out and since the governor made his edict a couple of days ago. That's right here, right now, after this short break on Around the Hearn. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Leak Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Leak Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah. And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. The last couple of days, the two biggest things that have been trending on my Twitter, and say for this what you want, but I follow a lot of high school kids, are The Bachelor... And the OHSAA. So I guess indirectly, Jerry Snodgrass is as popular as The Bachelor. Is that, I'm is not that a sure fair that's statement? In a good way. I don't know if that's in a good way or not. You know, well, I guess, that's true. I'm not sure. I'm not sure his bachelors were popular. I would right say now, that's true because so, yeah. they weren't very happy with him either. That's right. I guess it does make sense. I mean, you're used to being kind of public enemy number one, but it, it's obviously I don't want to say for a good reason, but it's the reason. Action needed taken. You took care of that action. Yes, and I'm going to I'm going to step back here for just a second and said, you know, say, and I think anybody in a leadership position understands this. 
this has nothing to do for me with popularity. This has, I mean, when you make a decision uh, in a leadership role, and I don't care if you're a, you're a basketball coach, you make a decision to go zone, uh, Monday morning quarterbacks tell you you should have gone man-to-man. So, you know, th- that has nothing to do with it. It has to do with decisions that had to be made um, with great background. Uh, and I'm not talking necessarily about mine, but, you know, these aren't arbitrary decisions that are made just sitting in an office and say, let's do this. Absolutely not. I'm on continued uh, communications with the CDC, the Ohio Department of Health, and the governor's office, and our venues. Well, and that's the thing is I don't know that enough people realize, you, know, you say background aside, but your background kind of helps give you an overview of, hey, if we do this, how will this be implemented or how will people react to it? There are a couple sides of this. You know, one, decisions that had to be made, whether to postpone, cancel, whatever it may be. There's also the logistical side. If you decide to go forward with doing a certain thing, good example of this. Uh, there were tens of thousands of tickets sold across the state for our regional boys tournaments. Tens of thousands of tickets, let alone the tens of thousands of tickets that have been sold for the boys and girls skate tournament and wrestling. So all that aside, there also has to be a plan if you're going to limit the attendance. How do you prevent somebody that's already purchased a ticket from getting in? and making certain that those that are allowed in are the only ones that get in. And what I marvel about this is that in less than 24 hours, we were able to turn this around across the state for tens of thousands of people and logistically make it work. Nobody got into our events that shouldn't have gotten in. And uh, so there's the logistical side, and then there's the decision-making itself, but one affects the other. And it's, it's interesting, too, because you guys are one of the first. Uh, Connecticut canceled all of their winter sports. They pretty much just said that's it across the board. And right now, a lot of the East Coast is going uh, after the spring. But you guys were one of the big first things in Ohio where after you talk to the governor on Tuesday, everything comes out and you take quite a bit of flack throughout the next 24 hours. But it's interesting to see how in that time change, a lot of other things ended up happening. NBA, NHL, MLB, everybody starts saying, oh, well, maybe the OHSA was just ahead of the curve now. You're not as bad of a guy. Well, you, you know, and, and that's a good point because uh, even as we are doing this, um, as we are doing this, there's no question looking backward how much has changed just overnight in 12 hours. So much has changed. We have to be prepared. Um, in our staff right now, as we're doing this, I currently have approximately four people working ahead on dealing with spring sports and spring sport tournaments in June. We, we have totally everything planned. I pride myself in you know, my old world of uh, my old position of hope for the best plan for the worst. Our staff is planning and has planned for the worst in the current situation. So, um, it's ever evolving, but we've looked at all scenarios and we feel we're prepared to make decisions based upon what the chain of command, and I say the chain of command, it starts with the governor uh, or the CDC nationally or the Ohio Department of Health, whatever they mandate, uh, we are ready uh, in a moment's notice to implement our plans. 
It will not surprise anyone to know. I already told Jerry about this uh, before we got started that I got quite a few questions when I said, hey, I'm going to sit down and talk to him. I'll ask what you want. Uh, the, a couple of questions. Uh, one says, I would ask why they've ever allowed fans in the past if they are restricting for the flu. If you're going to do that going forward, there's always a flu virus, is there not? Or is this, do, the actual question ends with, do you not know this is a strain of the flu? Well, it is not, first of all. But second of all, uh, it's a virus um, that is uh, extremely contagious, extremely contagious. We are, we are taking advice from the Center for Disease Control. Everybody in the nation is taking that advice in the, in the healthcare world and the Ohio Department of Health. It, it, the CDC has made it very clear that, number one, we are not out in front of this. That, that, that don't, don't say that because we're not. Two, it will get worse before it gets better. That's a given, and that's already shown to be true, and it still is true. But thirdly, and I think as important as anything, is this just isn't about, it's, about, it, it's not just about the flu or, or what's worse than the other one. This is about slowing down a pandemic and one of the main reasons is the healthcare system, if it continues, cannot handle what could happen. I mean, the health, they were on television this morning. There aren't enough respirators that exist to deal with this. So the slowing down of the, this potential pandemic is, is what's so critical in this. And it's crazy how the last 24 hours, it's interesting because a lot of these questions that I've gotten, you guys have actually answered since that point, since Tuesday, but they don't, uh, they don't exactly exist in the terms of how they were asked because a lot of things have come out. We, uh, Italy, I believe, we're, it's 16 days, I think, we're behind Italy, and it gives us a chance to do some things. And Cleveland Clinic came out today. They said that they are going to develop their own way of cutting down the waiting time for a lot of it. And... I feel like maybe finally we are sort of turning that corner to, to change the idea on this. Well, and I think one of the big things that's come out of this and, and, and basically what the basis for our decision have been that the most, the best way to slow this down, the best way is to eliminate mass gatherings. And that's why the limitation on attendance, um, all these things to, to eliminate mass gatherings. You'll notice that the Columbus Blue Jackets initially did not heed the governor's recommendation. And that is exactly why the governor has then come forward and is issuing today an executive order. I, I could have anticipated that, but I also knew making the wise decision, I don't care whether he makes an executive order now or not. Well, I do, but it, we've already done what we need to do. The Blue Jackets did not. Now the Blue Jackets have to do that. Um, so, you know, you're right. There's, it, it's so evolving, but uh, we had to have the full foresight to deal with and to make decisions. Another question was, did you have a thought on pushing the tournament back so that the kids get the environment they deserve? I'm glad, you, I'm glad someone asked that question um, because when I said that we have prepared ourselves for every scenario, that was one of them. We talked about, do we cancel the tournament? Do we play it with restrictions? Do we postpone it? And we still have those cards on the table, by the way. And, but here's what we looked at. And this was, 
this was taken, taking advice, knowledge from the CDC in terms of that it will get worse before it gets better. And postponing and given dates of where certain states already are closing down state institutions, um, the time frame of that we didn't feel would work. We didn't feel by postponing we would be more likely to have to cancel if we went forward with the postponing. Why? Because the date out there may be as late as April, the end of April. And just, just common sense from our world, we work with it every day, that experience that in, in May would not be, it, it, would, it would not be valuable. So to say that we would postpone it till then uh, for a greater experience, I'm not convinced it would be. And that was the decision we made. We just, the time frame just we did not think would work. Was it a choice between the restricted and canceling it? Or were those, op- I mean, was that how that option worked? No, no. We, we, well, we always have the option to cancel. I mean, we can always have that option. Um, but when the initial discussions came up with the governor, and, and keep in mind, just one week ago, Last Friday, we've been in constant contact with our schools. I feel very good that we've done that. But when we did that with our schools last Friday, we clearly told them, as did everybody, we plan on continuing as scheduled. Tuesday, that took a totally different turn because of the, the governor and everything that's happened. So we always had on the table canceling as an option. But we felt we were going to go on when we got the restriction on Tuesday. Um, we still continued and we communicated at schools. We were going to continue with restrictions. I, I don't, I'm not looking in the rear view mirror to say that on Tuesday we should have canceled this event. I mean, not at all, but it's always been on the table. For people who don't know, and I've heard a lot of people say a lot of things about you personally, and unfortunately some things that they should have kept to themselves, but the brazenness of people has blown me away this week with the things that they've put out there. And you, obviously you're the head, you're the figurehead in terms of their rage. How, how did the conversation with the governor go? It wasn't exactly kind of a normal thing of him just calling to chat. No, no, but I I will tell you that I think the conversation, um, and I have met the state superintendent, state superintendent of schools prior to this call, um, but uh, it was a very good conversation. And I think one of the biggest things you talk about when you have conversations like this, just as I am having with Ohio State University, Gene Smith, um, is trust. You must trust that they're doing what's best. And I would say that one of the greatest things that has come out of this, I think, for our organization is. Governor DeWine has trust in us. And I think that is so important. You know, we've had struggles in the past um, year or so, now a longer time than that, with legislative issues um, getting involved, you know, in our business, from from transfers to uh, international students, things like that. We've had not, not had much success. Trust me, I'm not trying to play any political card because I despise that word in this business. But at the same time, I will tell you right now that Governor DeWine has a lot more trust in us. So when I reach out to him and ask him to keep some legislative things at bay, I have a lot greater trust that he will do that. And I think he has that trust in me. 
I think our schools benefit. I got asked this question a couple of times. This is how it's worded. Do people who pay a bunch of money to the sponsor to sponsor the tournament still get to go, for instance, marathon? Absolutely not. Uh, and I think it's important to, to know this. When we identified essential and non-essential, uh, my wife cannot go to the game. Uh, we have staff members, if they do not have jobs at that event, at any of these events, they're not attending. Uh, there are no passes honored anywhere. Our, our own board of directors members are not permitted to attend with one minor exception that is on Saturday or Friday night. One person is assigned to award uh, awards. I mean, other than that, no, no board members. And let me tell and by the way, that includes wrestling. We have to remember that that's big in wrestling. So, um, this is across the board. I will never be hypocritical and say, well, we can't let these people in, but boy, all your buddies or all your board members are getting in. And I take a lot of heat for that from our own people, but I do not care. I have to do what I have to do. Well, and it's interesting that you answered it that way because the person's follow-up was, will he and the other OHSA administration be allowed to go? When he answers yes, how is it fair he gets to go, but the community that supports these teams all year cannot? The only people from our staff, um, I think that's the way the question was worded, but the only people from our staff that can go are those that have working duties. And, uh, I mean, assigned, I mean, it does take people to make the event occur, you know? So, um, and I have assigned duties. I used to do the main role of this tournament. I have assigned duties there. Otherwise, you know, I don't say I don't want to go. I mean, but I wouldn't go. So, um, so, so all of that is very, very true. Where I've really struggled with this, the people that look at the dark side of all this, and you talked about, you know, being attacked. I don't care about that for me. I, again, I'm, I'm having to move forward and deal with that. But a couple of things about that too, you know, you talked about these sponsors and whether they're allowed to go partners. And uh, incidentally, Marathon Oil is not one of our partners. <laughs> I think maybe they asked that. I just I read the question they, how, it was, how it was on there. Correct. I think they may have asked that because I live in Finley. <laughs> and I, where the world Oh, uh, you did it now. They, you told everybody. Uh, that's true. I'll, I'll, I'll expand on that in a second. But, but uh, probably asked that because of, you know, my proximity to there and wondering if I'm influenced by that. Marathon Oil is not a sponsor or a partner, but uh, our partners are not uh, permitted. Now, will that affect? our partnerships with them, it could. And that leads into the, and I haven't even mentioned it, the loss of revenue. And the loss of revenue stands to be probably in the one and a half million dollars that we will lose in this. Am I focused on that? Nope, I'm not. We'll deal with that at a later date. I'll have a huge challenge on my hand, but I am not dealing with it now. We are trying to make the events as they are scheduled right now um, go on and while the fans in the stand are important, certainly they're important. Um, we're still not. We're still going to do and make the event go uh, as best we can without eliminating things that we normally would do. In other words, I have to pay an announcer to announce the game. I have to pay video crew, things like that. Um, we're still going to have them. I mean, so they're essential people that we've identified in this. Well, forgive me if I get this number wrong because it was a couple of days ago when Tim Street was on the radio here in Lima, but he said, is it 80% of your yearly revenue is made from the tournaments? 80% of our revenue 
uh, is generated from ticket sales. Um, that's a tough model. Uh, 80, those that can do the math, by the way, um, 80%, 10% is derived from corporate partnerships. And that is pretty much flat in today's world. Uh, and another 10%, which by the way, adds up to a hundred. I do get that. <laughs> that, that other 10% is from, ofi- uh, from officials dues. And everybody knows what's happening to the number of officials. Now, mind you, our expenses also in the officiating world go toward education, the materials they get, so on and so forth. So, you know, some of that's a wash, but my point is that 80, 10, 10, 80% of our revenue derived from ticket sales. That's how we keep our doors open. We do have staff. We have one of the smaller staffs of, we're like the third or fourth largest in the nation for the number of people we serve, kids and schools, yet we have about the 23rd smallest staff. So, it's not like we're, we're not blowing money. And I, you know, people will disagree with that all the time. Think we have a cushy job and I won't get into that, but I invite people here. I invite people here, spend a day or two with us. And I think you would be blown away at what we do uh, with a limited staff. So I'm only saying that from the standpoint that no business, we are a nonprofit, but no business can survive without revenue. I mean, it just doesn't work. So uh, we're taking a huge hit on that, but that's, not the point. The last one of these questions that is still somewhat relevant, I'll ask. The question was phrased, shouldn't we be more concerned about the athletes and officials in the crowds? For instance, body fluids or proximity to each other, was this ever a consideration? It has been a consideration. And looking at the uh, age group of the, uh, the, who is the most susceptible uh, to this uh, virus, um, That's why the decision to allow uh, players um, the games to continue. The fans are the most susceptible. We've advised people, uh, you know, in the four tickets that we allotted to each of the essential uh, players, the essential people, uh, we've even given advice, you know, please think about who you're giving or who you're allowing to buy those tickets because of the, you know, whether they have underlying medical conditions uh, or so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, we are definitely concerned about the athletes. And I think overnight, and we're, we're looking at it, but overnight, where I, I believe, I think since we've done this uh, on the air here, uh, another professional athlete, I believe, has been diagnosed. But I haven't, I, I'm not sure on that. But um, So, again, yeah, we're, we're concerned about that. There's no doubt. And unfortunately, Tom uh, Hanks uh, and his wife as well. Correct, correct. So, yeah, I mean, all those are concerns and um you know, keeping in mind, too, the, the danger of spreading has to do with the mass, um, mass gatherings of this. So that's one of the reasons, too, that, you know, the masses of this, you know, occur more in the stands and, and, and huddling places. And I know people can ignore it, but I, people told me, too, that, you know, I've got many things about ticket sellers should be able to take the risk. Well, that sounds good, but, you know, yeah, they, they will take the risk, and if something happens, what do you think in today's suit-happy world happens? You know, they'll sue people that, you know, are putting the event on, so, you know. You said earlier on about mass gatherings. What What's the number? What's considered mass? Well, when we were first, I go back to what the governor told us. The governor told us on Tuesday, parents, parents. And we settled on a number, and that number being four, 
And when we did the math, I think we're about 280 or something like that total in the stands. I'm not sure. <clears throat> but either way, um, when the Blue Jackets and others eventually did cancel their event, actually really after the news conference on Wednesday, um, he used, definitely used the word mass uh, gatherings. Now, all these other events, Blue Jackets and others, what do you mean by mass gathering? And I believe, I don't know this, but I believe the state of Washington was the first to identify that number being 250. So when he identifies that today, um, and we probably were trying very hard to know before he does this news conference what that number is going to be, that could once again change the course of things. Well, and so it's interesting, it does, too, because a lot of these small communities are all have, I know Fort Loramie, for instance, brought in a giant screen at the high school, and they're probably going to have the town. And people, people have thrown that in our face, you know, of like, well, why do you allow that? I, don't, I can't control whether they're doing that or not. I mean, that has nothing to do with us. Would I advise it? Of course I wouldn't advise it. Are they taking any risks? Yeah, they are. But I, I have to control what I can control. Well, and I've been told that quite a few people from Route 65, Columbus Grove on Friday, OG on Saturday, as they were last night, apparently – are going to be outside the Stroh Center rooting their teams on. Yep, I've heard that too. Yeah. Which I, I get that. I'm, which really, I though, that. I mean, is kind of cool, though, because it shows how deep that pride runs in these little towns. Yeah. Oh, I, 100%. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, 100%. the Utah Jazz, by the way, was the young man you were talking about. Yeah, oh, yeah you're right. You're right. It just uh, came across Twitter. If you get uh, one big thing or one takeaway, you want people to know about you or the OHSA or the handling of this. What is that? It is that number one, the safety of our people, fans, students is number one, absolutely. Number one, number two, if people think that we lack emotion for the importance of high school events, I can assure people that we don't. Our administrators administrating the sport, Right now, both wrestling, ice hockey, I actually administrate ice hockey, but basketball, ice hockey, wrestling are, are devastated because we know the experience that this is for our kids. We pride ourselves on those kids coming out of the tunnel uh, this year at St. John and the smile on those faces knowing that they've reached the pinnacle of a goal. We can't discount that. We also can't set it aside and risk the safety that we're entrusted to do. So I, I think people should know that they can disagree. They can totally disagree, but we are entrusted to make those decisions. And I, I will not back down from being responsible for those decisions. I have to ask you this before we go. Are you a good hockey player? Played, played uh, intramural hockey uh, in college. Uh, that doesn't say much. And I learned to play uh, hockey or learned to skate on the park pond in upper Sandusky, Ohio, uh, before anybody in America knew what hockey was. So am I any good? Absolutely not. Do I love the sport? <laughs> Absolutely. How popular are you in Upper Sandusky right now? Uh, I don't know. I'm supposed to get inducted into the Wyandotte County Hall of Fame um, here in April. I'm waiting for that letter to be rescinded, um, you know, because Upper Sandusky is in the regional tournament. And I'm sure there are some of my relatives. And that's another thing. 
people are going to ask me if my relatives in Upper Sandusky can get into those games. They absolutely cannot. Not one single relative of mine, and I have many there, uh, were granted any kind of special permission to get into that game. Well, I uh, I know you are a very busy man, and I always appreciate whenever we're able to sit down and spend some time together. You got it. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you for helping us tell the story a little bit better, too. My and, pleasure. And God bless all the kids that are that are in this and, and the fans and appreciate the understanding even when they disagree. That is the most accessible man on Twitter in Jerry Snodgrass, the uh, executive of the OHSA. Back with more after this. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Back as we preview the uh, state tournament, talking to Carlos Siegel, the head coach at Fort Loramie. And coach, first of all, congratulations to you guys on this run. Hey, thank you so much. Um, these girls have worked so hard all year long. Um, they really play for each other. Um, they love each other on the court, off the court. And it's so nice to see them um, reap the, the benefits of, of, of all their hard work and their dedication to the game. And it's kind of, you talked about it in the uh, teleconference this morning with a lot of the media about the growth of this team, about what the where the freshmen were when they got there. And you guys are kind of finally able to get over that hill, so to speak, to get to this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, my senior class, you know, they've been with me all four years. And um, their freshman year, we were quite young with four freshmen on the team and lost in the sectional finals. And the following year, they're sophomores, but now we have three freshmen playing with them. And um, somehow we managed to, to put together a great season. And I think we went 22-6 and six that year and lost to Minster in the regional finals. And no one likes to lose, but we were excited just to be in that situation. And then last year, you know, where they were juniors, and um, I still felt like we were still a young team because there were no seniors on the team. But uh, they just kind of gelled really, really well last year. And we had a great season, and unfortunately we came up short against Minster in that final game. Minster is a phenomenal team with, with all the players they had last year. So this year, you know, the, those, those, those little girls are seniors, uh, Kennedy and Macy and Marissa and Taylor and, they have just been awesome leaders. Um, they have brought in the younger girls and made them feel special and made them feel just as important and inclusive. And um, to, for them to get that win on that big stage Saturday night, I was just totally proud of all of them. I know that you guys obviously don't buy into it. You just go in, do the work. But I remember thinking and talking to Denny Cisco when we were at that regional final game a year ago, looking at your roster and looking at the composition of how those girls played, how important they are to your program, and thinking you guys have to be the benchmark everyone's shooting for next year. And have the girls or maybe you felt any of that pressure this year? You know, um, maybe seven or eight years ago I would have. Um, I guess maturity is a good thing. I I look at life differently. That's Um, what my wife keeps telling me anyways. (laughs) Yeah. um, And the girls... Um, the two captains this year are Kennedy and Taylor. And uh, at the beginning of the year when we were doing our rotating lineups, I would touch base with them and say, hey, you know, is, is this good? Is it causing problems? 
are people like unsure like what their role is and they're like no no everybody's great you know they're working hard everybody just wants to do well and I would just check in with them and then once we went with the starting five and stopped the rotating I checked in with them they're like fine and I said to them one time I said do we need to talk about this undefeated season that we're having I mean are you guys feeling pressure and I kind of did yeah, part of me right now I said we don't even think about that coach we really don't I said okay I said how about the number one ranking I said do we need to talk about that I mean it's like no, she's like, nobody's ever mentioned that either. She's like, we just want to go out and play ball. And I said, okay. And I turned around and walked away thinking, <laughs> if they're not talking about it and they're not thinking about it, then I sure in the heck am not going to open up Pandora's box. So to them, it's, it's work. It's come to practice, work your tail off, do your job, get better. And when we get on the court for a game, they just, they're playing for their teammates. They just, the outside noise, the outside distractions really aren't there. Um, that's what they're telling me. And they're just, they're just playing for each other. That's an amazing amount of uh, of just thought process for 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, 18-year-old girls. Uh, it really is. And I, I, I wonder if, 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 if the senior class hadn't played for me all four years, if that would be different. You know, normally you, you just get girls for their junior and senior year. You know, you just have them those two years. But the, the senior class, you know, that they've had varsity pressure for four years. And I think that maybe the maturity part there for them is just like, Hey, you know, this is what it is. You just go out and play. Well, and I always wonder too, with the success that the school has had, obviously baseball, football, volleyball, basketball in the last couple of years, how yeah. much of that is, you know, kind of talking to your classmates of maybe you just joke about one or two things and you don't, maybe they really don't think about it. That could be, um, yeah, the, the explosion of the state banners on the gym wall in the last 10 years is just um, outstanding. I, I think there's two girls' basketballs. There's two or three baseball titles up there. There's a volleyball title. There's two cross-country boys' titles up there. Um, yeah, and, and that's just in 10 years. And I just, I don't know, the, the expectations for athletes are high. Um, but the most important thing is that the athletes, have that expectation for themselves and they strive for excellence. I mean, they just, they work hard at it and um, they, they eat healthy and they hit the workout room and they're doing everything that you want an athlete to do to be successful. And um, just couldn't be more proud of them. Explain a little bit for people who haven't heard about it. Exactly. You say a lot, you talk about lower me ball and Corey talks mm-hmm. about it a lot. What does that mean? Um, I don't, I don't know if, if, if Corey's concept is the same as mine, but it's just we constantly preach about doing the little things because big things will happen. So it's it's working harder than your opponent when you step on the court. It's busting your tail every second that you're on the floor. It's you know it's it's just being fundamental. It's good passes. It's taking good shots. It's getting low on defense. It's sprinting the floor. It's just it's all those little things that you do every day in practice that you preach and you just put it together. And it's called Larmy Ball. And um, I think we're fortunate here at Fort Larmy, the, the girls' program anyways, that our girls have bought into the concepts that the coaching staff teaches all the way from, you know, the freshman team, the baby team, uh, the varsity team. It just, we're on them about these, these disciplines. We're on them about these fundamentals. And uh, they just take those every day in practice and they just take them into a game. And uh, if, they, if, they, if they do things correctly, that their mindset is right, um, good things happen. I thought it was interesting. You talked about in the teleconference again about having played with some of these girls' moms, and and I thought 
I wonder how much a conversation between, uh, let's just pick Dana, for instance. You know, you, you look at any girl on your roster with, with that connection of, you know, mom, I feel like we're doing something pretty special. And they're able to turn around and tell their daughter, you know, I, I can vouch for her. It kind of maybe makes it a little more real for the girls. Um, I would hope so. I, I would hope so. I would hope that um, the tradition part, you know, that's a, kind of hit on that earlier today. Um, the tradition here has, has been set, you know, since the seventies, you know, um, you know, it, it, I think everybody just wants to, to maintain that um, consistency of, of our program, you know, and, you know, like Dana, you know, her cousin um, Darian played, you know, on the 2013, 14 and 15 state teams. I mean, so, you know, Dana was, you know, at that age, you know, she's like a fourth and fifth grader and she's watching her cousin on the floor performing at a high level, you know, and I'm, there's no doubt in my mind, Dana was probably thinking, I want to do that one day. I, I want to be on that state floor and I want to make things happen. And um, all of these girls, you know, have been coming to these games, you know, since they've been in fourth and fifth grade and they have fallen in love with the sport and their, their passion for the game is so intense, you know, and, and I think what's special here at Fort Laramie is, you know, the girls that are on my court, they're not just basketball players, you know, like Kennedy's going to Bowling Green for on a track scholarship. You know, some of these girls, you know, their volleyball is looking at, you know, colleges that are looking at them for volleyball. I've got cross country runners, you know, I've got some softball players. I mean, you know, Macy and Molly, she's playing college um, softball at uh, Edison. I mean, just basketball is, is not their life, but when they're on the court, it is. And they stay in that moment, and they're present in that moment, and that's really cool to witness and see. You start off, you get—I don't want to say a rematch because obviously, one season to another never carries over. But you get that big win against Minster. It's different a little bit, you know, being the regular season, obviously, versus the tournament. But is there a point, kind of, after that game, or any point in the season where you you might have, for a second, kind of caught yourself thinking, "All right, we we've put in the work. We can be something special this year." Yeah, um, you know, that first game against Minster, we we weren't um, overly um, – we, we had only had nine practices as a team. Uh, we were a little shaky here and there. Uh, we weren't fluid at all. And so, I mean, even though we won handedly and the expectation meter in this town, the Fort Laramie, like, flew through the roof, I mean, I was like, you know, girls, you know, we, we got to do some things better. You know, there, there are things that we're not doing very well. I would say it was probably game six or seven, and we were playing a really tough opponent. And um, I, at one point in the game, we were doing everything right. And it was like the second quarter, and we were up by like 30 already. And this, like I said, this was a tough opponent. And I just remember sitting on the sideline thinking, oh, my gosh, these girls are really, really good when they stick to the game plan. And when they are doing what they need to do, they're a really good ball club. And this could be a very special year. So there, there were peaks and little peaks that I saw early on. Um, but definitely this last half of the season, um, I thought the Berlin Highland trip was good for us. Uh, it was an overnight trip. The girls got to bond a little bit more. That and um, the food's pretty played, good there. The, the food is really good there. And um, we, we played very well up there. And I think that just kind of gave us a confidence boost we needed at the right time of the year. Sometimes, sometimes January into February, uh, the season starts to get long. Um, and I thought that was a good trip for us. It kind of broke up the monotony of the season. 
and it kind of rejuvenated us and, and, and gave us a little spunk, a little spark to finish the season strong. In the tournament, Franklin Monroe and Country Day the last uh, couple of weeks have been your two two of your three closest games throughout the course of the season. Uh, did you guys just start a little slow, or was it something that they did that they were able to kind of change what you wanted to do? Well, I mean, I think anytime you get to districts, things get tough. Um, you're just playing the best of the best. And Franklin Monroe, you know, um, they have a strong senior class, and this was their this was their year, and, you know, they were hoping to make a long run. And so we knew they were going to come out and give us a one-two punch, and it was, you know, we were hoping that our girls were going to respond a little bit better. Um, but I think the game was good for us. Um, it taught us how to rise above when things aren't necessarily going your way, when you're not playing to the best of your ability. Um, Cincinnati Country Day, I loved the first quarter. Um, we jumped out to a 16-4 to lead, forced them into like five or six turnovers. Doing exactly, you know, that Larmy ball that I was talking about, we did exactly that. And to start of the second quarter, I think we hit the first two baskets to start that quarter. And then we just kind of, I don't know, lost our focus. Cincinnati Country Day picked up some pressure. I, I'm not sure all the culminating events of that, but we just, we, we slipped. And uh, it, it, it took us a good 10, 12 minutes of the game to, to regain our footing and to finish on a strong note. But again, I think at this time of the year, when you're playing these tough teams, you have to find a way to win. And even if you don't play pretty, which we did not play pretty in either of those two games, um, we still managed to beat them by, you know, 16, 17 points. So um, it's it's good to have challenges at this, this point of the, of the year. It, it, it's good for growth. I'm always fascinated on coaches' thought processes on this. You talked about how you have a an older, experienced team when they get kind of in that run that you're talking about against Country Day, are you is your thought process on pulling the trigger on a timeout or kind of waiting a little bit longer to see if they can work themselves out of it? I think with this group, um, they can they can they can be a very explosive team when they want to. I mean, we can put six eight points on the board in a minute if we're doing things the right way. And so sometimes I have to let them play. And because they're a experienced team, and they're, 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 they're a smart group. Uh, sometimes I just need to stay all the way and let them do their thing. And so with this group... Is that coming from you or call- coming from them? <laughs> it's coming from me. <laughs> it's coming from me. But I think last year and the year before, because of the inexperience, I was calling a lot more timeouts to help them through the process of, of the struggle. And this year I don't feel like I have to help them at near as much. I feel like they can get through it on their own. You said you saw Cornerstone Christian play in their uh, tournament opener. And you also, I thought it was fascinating. You remarked about how, you know, they could be one of those teams who belong in the Shelby County League. Why exactly is that? Um, their, their starting lineup is 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", or 6 foot, excuse me. They're long, they're length, they're athletic, as I'll get out. These, these girls get up and down the floor. I mean, it's, it's going to be a track meet. I mean, I think our team is pretty fast and agile. This team will match us. Um, I just think their coach has done a phenomenal job. I think last year when she lost to Minster by 30, um, I think they, that, that hurt them a lot. They were, they were embarrassed. And I think she has done a great job all summer getting this team ready to play at a different level. Um, you know, she mentioned that she came to two of our games and she brought her entire team. I mean, they, I give her kudos. I mean, she's she's showing her girls, if you want to win a state title, this is how you have to play and this is what you have to do. 
And I, I saw them play last year because um, if we would have beat Minster, you know, we would have played them. So I went and saw them play last year. Uh, and what I saw last year to what I saw this year, huge growth of, of, of improvement. And it's, it's pretty much the same players that they had last year to this year. They graduated, I think, one senior last year. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, when I went to that game, and I mean, in the first three minutes of the game, I was like, this is a much improved team from the team I saw last year. And um, so I, I, I give Kitsop a lot of credit. She's, she's done her homework, and she's, her team has put in the, the, the time and the effort to, to make themselves better. I know for a fact that when you guys play on Thursday, you get that early game. A lot of folks are taking off work early. There's not going to be many lights on in Fort Laramie. <laughs> is playing in the smaller gym uh, kind of right on top of you at St. John Arena, is that going to benefit the girls because they've already played in that kind of atmosphere all year long? I think so. I, I'm, I'm so excited to, to play there. I, I just, you know, um, I was on the – I was an assistant coach back in 97 when our team went. We lost in the state uh, finals to Kaleida. It's just a wonderful venue. I mean, it's it's more typical of the games. But, you know, when, when you're playing, like, Minster and you're playing New Bremen and Anna and Rushi and the, the crowd is right there on the court with you, that's great. Um, the shot is a beautiful facility, and I, part of me will miss playing there. But it's so huge, it's so vast, and I just feel like the crowd is removed from the floor. Um, this place is going to be rock, and I think on this weekend, I, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I think, I, 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 you know, I've only been to one of Cornerstone's game. I don't know what their crowd following was that particular game. It wasn't huge, uh, but I, I love our community support, and I think that the crowd level, the noise level, will definitely be in our favor on Thursday. Well, I hope that uh, the Fort Lormie community gets quite a bit of travels on their cars for the basketball teams this weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the boys team, yeah. Um, Corey's doing a great job over there. Um, it's, just, it's, a, it's, it's a fun week to be a Redskin, that's for sure. Well, best of luck to you guys this weekend. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Thank you for your phone call. That's Carlos Siegel, the head coach at Fort Lormie. Back with more after this. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters, like all of our salespeople. Yeah? And then you got your talent on the bench, ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. Back now talking Anna basketball with Coach Jeff Maurer in a big task this weekend at taking on Afrocentric, the two-time defending champs. But first of all, Coach, congratulations to you and the girls for getting to this point. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Yeah, the, the girls are, are pretty excited about the opportunity. It's obviously kind of a big thing. You look at the way that your season has gone. You, It's not exactly like your losses on the year. People, I heard a lot of people say, oh, they're 22-6. and six. And Afrocentric is twenty-two and four. Those things really don't matter. I think at this point, who you've beaten and who you've improved. We just talked a little bit about off the air throughout the course of the right. season. You're there because you deserve it, right? Well, I'd, I'd like to think so. I mean, you know, we've we've had some uh, some tight games, and we had to come come from behind in a couple of these, these tournament games. But uh, you know, our girls are just real gritty. You know, they just they got a lot of grit, and a lot of a lot of desire, and and uh, determination and uh, you know, they just kind of refuse to lose. You know, they're going to 
they're going to put up a fight no matter who's, who's across from them. Well, and it's – I look at your schedule. I have it up in front of me. I mean, in your last two losses, you go back and look at Minster and Lormy. They're obviously pretty good. They're still playing this weekend. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we lost Lormy twice. And we would play all, all our league, league teams twice. So we lost to Lormy twice and really gave them – honestly – Lormy the second time was was maybe one of our better games, and we we really we were down one at half and, and and really put up a pretty good fight in that game. And I think that was maybe one of the games where the girls realized, hey, we can, you know, we can we can play when we when we show up and, and really put it together. But uh, but they're obviously they're 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 a fantastic team and well coached. And uh, you know we we lost to Versailles in a close one here at home before the holidays. And uh, so yeah, I mean, our, our schedule I think does a pretty good job of preparing us for uh, you know for, for for tournament run. How much did you learn about your team and about Versailles the day after Christmas uh, that you kind of took into the beginning of March? Was there anything, or was it too far removed? Um, we, we were a little bit of a different team by you know by the time we played them the second time. I'm mean, just confidence wise, and we, we had a lot more depth. You know, early in the season, really, we were relying on six girls, and uh, we had some sophomores that we knew. And we felt confident would would progress as the season went along. We we'd get you know more contributions from them. Um, the first time we played them, we didn't really have that quite yet. But uh, as the season played out, you know, those sophomores have really come on and, and been able to give us some quality minutes, which you know makes a difference late in the game and against a team like Versailles that can run girls in and out. You've had your last four games with all within nine ten points. Uh, have you? grown a lot of gray hairs the way that those have gone or is it just those are just kind of going by the wayside now uh, don't get me wrong the the, the uh the uh the excitement factor and the adrenaline in those games were definitely high level but i mean that's just coaching i mean that's just you know you're in those in those games you know you you're drained afterwards i mean this is the last game you know obviously the way we won it there at the end uh you know i went in the locker room i didn't have a voice for you know a day and a half but uh well, you know, it's kind of you take it one play at a time, one possession at a time, and then after the game's over, you you take a deep breath and you go, you know, wow. <laughs> well, and I was impressed. I saw you guys last week when you beat Versailles that once uh, McEldowney stopped hitting from every point in the downtown district, your girls were <laughs> able to sort of sort of pick up her misses. And, and Ella, I was so impressed with seeing her the first time. How quickly. Not only that she gets to end to end, but how smartly she makes her decisions in that time. Yeah, and, and you know Ella, she she started for us all three years now, and uh, you know she's really this year she's really become a different player in terms of her mindset. You know she deferred a little bit the last couple of years, like there were times where you know she she didn't necessarily demand the ball and say you know give it to me and I'm going to put the team on my back. But this year she's she's really been that player for us. Um, and yeah, that Versailles game. I mean, there was—I could say it about all the girls, but there was just a different look in my girls' eyes as far as you know. They like we're doing this. Uh, you know, they—they—they they, they remembered the way we lost last year in the tournament to Versailles, and the, and you know, they really came with a different fire and determination about about that game, and uh, you know, just the, the grittiness and the effort in that game, um, and, and and they executed too. We had some girls step up. Michaela Ambus, you know, that's a girl that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but plays outstanding defense for us and, and she had eight points and and you know really when Ella Ella went out in that game in the first half with some foul trouble and uh, that's where Michaela stepped up and really you know kind of kept us kept us where we needed to be for you know when Ella returned so um, yeah we're getting a lot of contributions from a lot of girls right now well and it's kind of funny I talked to Carla Siegel at Fort Lormie earlier today and she referenced Minster obviously a lot as a, a turning point to their development of 
they're the team we have to have to get around. We have to figure out how to get them. It seems like last couple of years that was Versailles for your squad. Correct. Yeah. I mean we we played we played uh, Versailles twice last year, once in the regular season, um, right, but basically right after Christmas, just like we did this year. And we we went to their place and managed to get them uh, beat them by one on the last second shot by Ella. And um, and then the girls were pretty disappointed. We went in the tournament thinking, you know, we, we, we had a, a good shot. And they shot the ball really well and, and played a really great game, had a great game plan against us. And uh, I think the girls just had a sour taste in their mouth the way that went down at the end of the season last year. So I think this year there was just a different, a different uh, uh, you know, level of focus and, and you know, just mental, uh, you know, approach to the game that they, they weren't, they weren't going to go down this time without, without a fight. You have that eight-game winning streak through the, the early part in the middle of January. Is there a point during that run that you kind of realized what this team was truly capable of? Um, you know, I, I could point to a few games, and, and honestly, it was kind of a slow coming together of all the girls and, and uh, you know, just becoming more connected on the floor and, and sharing the ball more. And um, but, but if I had to pick a game, you know, obviously the Marion local game for us was a big was a big win at that time. I, they maybe had a loss or maybe they were undefeated. I can't recall. But uh, we went to their place and, and and really put together a really complete game. I think we won that game by fourteen or fifteen points. And uh, for you know, for us, that, I think that was a confidence booster in the girls' eyes. You know, at that time, I think maybe they were ranked in the top five in, in, in the state polls. So, you know, that 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 maybe gave the girls a little bit of a belief that hey, you know what, we can. You know, we can we can do some things here. Are are you or the girls able to feed off any of kind of the school success with the boys and and a lot of the runs that that's been going on over there, or is that just sort of something where it's it's now coming becoming ingrained in their culture, so we can win these games? Uh, you know, I I think it, you know when you would talk about obviously the success of the football team this year and the success of you know that the, that the sports teams have had even locally here. You know, we, we live in a, our communities here around here, you know, Shelby County, Alglades County. You know, we play, there's, it's a sports culture and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of quality, uh, sports teams in, in all the different sports. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely playing in, in, in the Shelby County League and playing against Fort Laramie and those types of teams and, you know, uh, Minster and, and the like to Versailles and those teams, you know, playing those types of teams really give us, uh, you know, I think an edge when we get into tournament where, you know, we, 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 we've been there, we fought those battles and so forth. You go into, I normally say the biggest gym this weekend, but obviously that's not the case. Is there right. a, is there a, a special thing or does St. John's kind of the flip hold any significance or specialness to you? Uh, not, not personally, just from the standpoint of, I mean, I remember going there as a kid and watching Bakken's voice were in the final four, you know, when I was a young kid with my dad. So I, I, I have that memory. Um, I probably don't have quite as many memories. I know it's a special thing to my dad. Um, he's pretty excited to go down and, and be at St. John's and watch cause he has a lot more memories of those things, uh, you know, of being there and watching big games, uh, you know, when he was growing up and I, I that's probably true of a lot of people in, in our community that, you know, uh, that, that have those memories. I don't necessarily have those types of memories as much as others, but, uh, but I think it's going to be cool just the, the, the atmosphere that's going to be in there. You know, it's more of an intimate uh, setting. You know, the fans are more right on top of the court, um, which I think will be a really neat experience for the girls and, and you know, uh, just in terms of atmosphere. You get uh, – I refer to them as Big Bad Wolf all year long just because 
they're always there. Uh, obviously, the two-time defending champs. They've been there now, 11 regional appearances for Afrocentric. But how do you – do you even have to explain to the girls that when you get to Friday afternoon, you walk on the court, nothing matters but us? No, none. And I'll be honest with you, that's that's sort of the approach we've taken. To, you know, the way – as a coaching staff, we've kind of approached all these games that we've had recently. Is you know, it, it doesn't matter. You know, when we played Fort Army, even, you know – you know, everybody, everybody knows what type of team they are and, and what they present to us. And you know, we stress to girls, like, it's just it's just us, our togetherness, and, and, you know, what we're doing on the floor, that's what matters. You know, who, who, who the other team is. I mean, obviously the girls know what, what we're facing this week. Um, but you're in the final four. You're going you're gonna to play it. You're going to play somebody pretty darn good. Um, so I think, I think the girls are excited for the opportunity. I mean, we know, we know we're the underdog, um, but uh, – you know, my girls have done a pretty good job of, of fighting in those types of games and, and putting up a good fight. So we're going to give it our best shot. You have a, a lot of different individual matchups for girls going D one. Other side uh, schema is six foot four. How much uh, you have Lawrence six uh, two? You get Kiplin at five eleven. Lena Roland five ten. How much are you able to? Are you thinking about you know how do you counter with height or how do you counter maybe with OG used a lot of, for instance, uh, a lot of two or three on ones. Right. Yeah. Really, to be honest with you, for for us, my biggest concern, or not concern, but my biggest, uh, you know, advice to the girls is, is, you know, we just can't play timid. You know, we 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 have to be aggressive. We have to attack them. You know, we can't if if we're gonna if we're gonna come out and be, um, you know, kind of soft in our approach to the game and the way we're gonna attack their pressure. You know they're they're going to feed off that. You know they're they're going to they're going to put together those runs where you know they they can go from you know a two three point four point game and all of a sudden you're down sixteen in the in, in the you know matter of a couple minutes and, and so we just need to approach the game as not necessarily how we approach it X's and O's wise but just you know our approach to being strong and being physical and and you know not and taking it to them not not just trying to keep the ball away and keep it out of their hands. My one question is always for uh, teams who have been there versus, you know, haven't with you guys. You have a younger core. How how do you kind of approach the thought of when you walk in there, you know, don't get caught up in this building. Don't get caught up in the aura, any of that. This is the same game as we played, you know, day one back at AHS. Right. I mean, that's, that's going to be that's going to be our a challenge. I think that's a challenge for any team that's there for the first time, um, you know, uh, but, but again, you know, that's just going back to, you know, stressing to the girls, you know, this is just, it's no, this game is no different. Uh, the court's the same size that, you know, it's no different than the games we've been playing in the past. Um, you know, we just need to, we need to worry about what we do and not let the, the exterior distractions and things uh, get to us. But, you know, they're high school girls. You know, they're going to, they're going to feel the pressure. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to feel that, but, uh, you know, hopefully they can, they can settle in and, uh, you know, again, I, the thing I'm the thing I'm most happy about, and, and that I'm not stressing about, is I know that my girls are going to are going to put up a fight. You know, they're gonna they're not gonna go, they're not gonna lay down, and and that, that goes a long way when you get to this stage of the game because all the teams are good at this point. Have you learned anything from anything you've seen about them? About African as far as how maybe how to defend or how to attack them. Um. Yeah, and we're still in the process of, of, of putting some of that stuff together as far as the scouting report and so forth. But uh, um, 
you know, we, we recognize that their, their length is, you know, and their pressure um, is, is, is something we're going to have to contend with. And they're really similar in, in some ways to the team we just played. Um, you know, Purcell kind of did the same, you know, pressure. They, they don't let you run a lot of sets. They switch screens. Um, so, we're, you know, we're, 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 this is just a, a continuation of what we had to prepare for there. Um, obviously, these girls are, you know, a uh, little more athletic and, you know, a little more length, obviously, than what Purcell had. But, uh, but our approach, to some extent, will, will be the same. Last couple of minutes of that Purcell Marion game, I was reading on Twitter while I was at the OG Afrocentric game, and it was uh, it was fascinating to read the the composition of how that game was going. It seemed like their key was to keep it away from Ella. You were able to get it to her. She knocked down free throws. There's a timeout in the last minute, minute and a half. What, if anything, did you really have to say to them during that timeout? Uh, you know, just some of the basic things. You know, at that point, we we knew we had to foul. One one thing we knew from from scouting them is that that they were uh, they had a lot of girls that struggled at the free throw line. So you know, we we were we were talking situations as far as you know, depending on what the score is or what what happens on the next possession, we need to foul immediately and 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 so forth. And you know, there at the end, it was you know the last couple plays. You know, there wasn't enough time to 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 come down and set you know set up a play. It was more you know. Hey, we got to get a rebound here, and we, you know, we, we got to attack. We we got to attack the basket, and you know that last play of the game. That's that's exactly what what Ella did. You know, Lauren Barhorse pulled down a big rebound, and and um, you know found Ella. You know, they're about the three point line, and and she, you know, she Ella did what she does, which is you know <laughs> get down get down the floor, and you know she got fouled, and uh, you know she, those big, those free throws were were huge. I mean, she, I don't even think they touched rim. So I, you know, that's the kind of girl she is. Though she, she, she kind of, she can, she has that kind of focus. And is it was it at that point you were finally able to exhale? Uh, I don't know when I exhaled. <laughs> to be honest with you, it might not have been until you know we got on the bus to leave. But yeah, it was uh, it was definitely exciting. When I, I must confess, I didn't watch the, I didn't watch her shoot the first one because I was I was looking in the other direction. But so I, I knew when our crowd erupted that, that she made that one, and then. Uh, I knew we were at least uh, at least tied at that point, but uh, uh, once she made the first one, I, I felt a little more confident about about what she'd do on the second one. But those were, I mean, people don't understand what what that is like to stand on a free throw line with you know, with that kind of pressure. And she she knew what 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 it meant to to the team and, and to everybody, and to step up there and and, uh, and knock those down was huge. I uh, I love that no matter what the sport is, and I saw it being uh, able to do the state football championships that I know that come Friday and hopefully on Saturday, you guys are going to have the entire town. That that building is going to be half a shade of green. <laughs> yeah, our community uh, definitely does a, an amazing job of, of supporting all of our all of our high school sports. Um, you know, that that's that's a given. And we, we know we'll, we, we've got the backing of our community and uh, it's, it's just an exciting thing, not just for, for myself and for the girls, but you know, for, for everybody in the community. Well, I, I wish you guys the absolute best of luck this weekend. I, I appreciate that. We're going to, we're going to go there and we're, we're going to give it everything we've got. That's the head coach at Anna and Jeff Maurer. They make their uh, tournament run on Friday in Columbus. Danny the Dealmaker, have you ever noticed how Lee Kinsel Chevy Buick GMC is a little like a sports team? How so? Well, you got your Lee Kinsel team starters like all of our salespeople. Yeah. 
And then you got your talent on the bench ready to back up every one of those starters to ensure that the team wins, like our incredible service people. You know, you're right. A customer can come in, select their favorite, and be on their way in no time. Sort of a pick and roll. Now you got it. See us at 650 West Urban Road, online at LeeKinsel.com, and on the phone at 866-LEE-KINSEL. So many thank yous to Carlos Siegel, Jeff Maurer, and to Jerry Stockgrass for joining the show, talking about the Laura McGirls program, the Anna Girls program, and about everything going on this weekend of the OHSAA. Not an easy interview for Jerry to be able to do, but the OHSAA tournament kicking off just in a couple of hours. We'll get started this afternoon. A couple of night games in Division Four. Super excited about being able to call on K94 starting just in front of the 6 o'clock hour. Fort Lormie takes on Cornerstone Christian. Minster takes on Fort Fry in the 8 p.m. game. D4 finals on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And you can hear all those games, uh, the entire network slate. OHSA Radio Network. It's also on WZOQ Radio and quite a few affiliates as well. A lot of talented people calling those ball games. Friday at 3 o'clock on K94. You can hear Anna and Afrocentric from the network. And then the winner likely taking on at Berlin Highland. And that's the other thing. The media are basically outside of the parents, the only people who are supposed to be allowed at these games. And that's a, that's a big thing for myself and a lot of the people who I talk to, and I know they're not taking that lightly. It's very hard to try to call a game, first of all, I mean, and, and make everybody happy, and hopefully it's an enjoyable broadcast. But last night, Nate Stidham and I called a game in Bowling Green where the Ottawa Glendorf boys advanced and there were maybe 200 people in the building. It was uh, much different. I jokingly told the Ottawa Glendorf uh, coaching staff, and I'm not making light of anything that's going on. Just, this is just a fact, you know, your junior varsity genuinely play generally plays in front of more people that are in this building right now. And they laughed and agreed. And it it's, Again, it's unfortunate that this is happening, but everybody's trying to make the best of it. You've got terrific teams still left. Shawnee, their boys will play tonight in the regional semifinals. Ottawa Glandorf is going to play in the regional finals against Evergreen on Saturday night. That's a 7 o'clock game on WZOQ Radio. You've got Columbus Grove still playing. They'll play on a Friday night and a, a chance to get to Columbus and take it on a I don't want to say Cinderella, but Parkway is about as close as you can get. First ever regional trip. They beat Marion Local in the districts. One in the semis. They're going to have a heck of a party in Rockford. They've got the screens. And it's such a neat thing to be able to see communities band together and, uh, and watch their basketball, root on their basketball however they can. Big congratulations to Megan Jurassic from uh, New Knoxville. Signed to play her college ball at Baldwin Wallace University. Lexi Gregory from Crestview, terrific athlete, says she's going to play volleyball at St. Francis. And the bowling program at St. Mary's, well represented. They'll go to Tiffin University after the end of the first year of that program. Elena Thornsberry and Jaden Gibson, each signing to play at TU, where a lot of folks from the area are going. Between that and St. Francis, seems like a lot of local kids have been going there. There's a couple of really nice stories in the evening leader about the bowling state tournament this week. Trevor Heisey and Tyler Heisey, the first Rough Riders to compete in the state tournament since 1990. 
Tyler at 106, Trevor at 113. Tommy Mabry is an alternate at 160. The article goes on to state about how if he fills in, Rough Riders will have three qualifiers for the first time since 89. That's a big thing. Macy put off from New Bremen, finished second in the indoor state championships, jumped almost 16 and a half feet. New Bremen's Luke Vonderhaar got his first collegiate homer last week. Where at? Baldwin Wallace up there in Maria, beat Oberlin. Ryan Mikesell and the Flyers continue to win. Got to go to their building a couple of nights ago. Unfortunately, the Fort Laramie boys fell. But uh, just uh, so much great happening around the area. Unfortunately, the NCAA tournament is going to be played in front of nobody. I don't know who's more upset about that, me or my wife. Bought a, a handful of tickets. I was excited to go to the Fort Wayne Regionals for the uh, women's basketball tournament. But not to be safety first. All Ohio selections in uh, Ella Dosick, the second team for Anna. Lindsey Winter, third team for Versailles. Lauren Gillen, special mention from uh, Coldwater. And just uh, kind of a who's who on that list. Ottawa Glendorf got a pair with Brianna Schimmler and uh, Kelsey Erford as well. Miss Basketball came out this week, came out today as a matter of fact. And uh, Maddie Westbelt from uh, Kettering Fairmont High School, who's headed to Notre Dame to play with her sister, ends up with that crown Trying to get some good news in between all the bad. I hope that all the local teams win this weekend. I'd love to be able to see them and try to help bring a voice to them next week at State. And uh, I'm excited for the Girls' State Tournament. I I don't just say this, but I honestly, I wish that you could be there. Just a, a fantastic set of communities that I have a, a big respect for. And at Minster, just not, uh, not going to be there. Fort Lower Me and Anna as well. But uh, I hope that you tune in. Denny Cisco and I will try to do the absolute best that we can to bring you exactly the feeling down there at St. John Arena. And uh, I, I'm excited about what the future could hold for those teams. I'd love to see Lower Me and Minster in the finals on Saturday at 2. Hopefully, Anna can slide by half for Centric, use the blueprint that OG put together last weekend. And, uh, one last thank you so much again to Jerry Snodgrass for coming on and being honest about the criticism that he and the OHSAA have faced the last couple of days. To Carla Siegel at Fort Loramie and to Jeff Maurer from Anna. That's it for this week's show. Please hit me up on Twitter, at Michael Hearn PVP, and tell me what you thought and uh, what's going on. That's uh, what we have for the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, even better tomorrow, wherever that you may be. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.